mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Put In Work, episode 118 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. I am your host, John Peck, and we are powered by Audio Technica. This week on the show, our guest is Brett Medlock from Enthusiast Gaming. Brett and I run in some of the same circles online, and I've gotten to know him over the last few years, and I've seen how hard he works especially with Nintendo enthusiasts over those years, to build a full-time career in video games, in creating content, both in writing and video on screen as the talent, editing, doing everything, now as the editor-in-chief of Nintendo Enthusiast. But something that I love about Brett's story is there isn't this huge big break that happened. He didn't go to one of the major corporate websites to get his start, to get his full-time gig. He just built it over time and he grew with the company that he was writing for. It just happened organically that way. And I feel like that is such a accessible model for people to base their own trajectory on if they are looking to get to where Brett is. And you know, that's pretty cool. That's what many of us dream of doing is working full time, making content about whatever it is we're interested in, whether it's sports, video games, movies, pop culture, whatever. And for someone who wasn't naturally gifted in writing or in even speaking, it's really inspiring to see how Brett has worked hard at each of those skills to put himself in a place where he is able to be an editor-in-chief at a website like Nintendo Enthusiast, which is getting hundreds of thousands of visits every month. It's really cool and it's exciting to see where Brett goes with it. So without further ado, here he is to tell this story. It's Brett Medlock. Enjoy the show. Brett, thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, great to have you on the podcast. How's things? It's pretty good. I'm happy to be on here. I've listened to a lot of your episodes with the people that I admire, and I think you're really awesome at what you do. Oh, thanks, man. It's uh, good to chat to you finally. I think we've probably known each other from around the social medias for a couple of years. Yeah, uh, which, kind yeah, of funny groups. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I actually remember first coming across you when I was trying to get my book crowdfunded, and I saw a screenshot. Oh, you'd posted a screenshot to try to get like some attention from Greg Miller and I really oh, appreciated yeah. that. I forgot that that's how we met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all worked out pretty well. I didn't so. even know who you were. I just wanted to, <laughs> I I saw you post about your book and I was like, you know, this guy he seems pretty cool. Let's 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 get his book sold. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. So now I'm interested I saw a video of yours a couple of weeks ago that kind of triggered in my mind that you'd be a good guest to have on here to talk about your story but we'll get to that in a bit so first of all you do so many different things but most mostly nintendo enthusiasts can you run me through what your role is there as the editor-in-chief and and what the what those guys do okay well at nintendo enthusiasts i'm pretty much just like directing people around which i'm you know i, I don't I, I never imagined myself doing because i'm i'm not a very stern person i guess but uh, I mean, like ever since I took over the site, it's been doing pretty well. Surprisingly, every month I'm impressed and I can't believe that uh, it's actually doing pretty well under my yeah. guides or whatever. And, um, you know, I just I, I still write a lot, which I guess not a lot of editor in chiefs do. I don't write a whole bunch, but I still write reviews and opinion pieces and stuff. And uh, I make a ton of videos, which is the other like portion of my job at Nintendo Enthusiasts, which is also kind of weird that. I run the site and make the YouTube videos. But, you know, it's really fun. I've always wanted to be able to make gaming content in any capacity and, and be able to, like, to do it from home all day. <laughs> and I'm actually able to do that with Enthusiast Gaming, so that's really awesome. Yeah, that's rad. Like, the thing that I love about your 
you know, what you do is that you're working seemingly full time. Like you're making a living from this, but you're not at one of the massive like mega outlets like IGN, Polygon. You, you've found a way to make that work for you. You can work from home. You don't have to pay like a million dollars in rent and live in San Francisco. So how did this all come about for you? Like, I know that you probably wanted to work in this industry for a long time and it's probably a lifelong dream to actually do it. So you're living it out right now. Yeah, well, man, it's it's been a long ride, surprisingly. Like, I started writing back in 2012 or 13, probably. And that was just because I really liked listening to, uh, back in the day, it was like Podcast Beyond and all that with Greg and Colin. And um, they kind of, like, they made me want to get, like, super hardcore back into games because I took a break for a while. I was similar. Like, I had kind of come away from video games. Then I got my PS3 and started listening to, to that podcast. And it kind of got me into the industry, not just the games themselves, but like learning the names of the studios and exactly. the inner workings. So I think that that podcast did a really good job of introducing people to that world. Yeah, it, that that podcast and like I got a PS3 like around the time I started listening to it and just like learning all the studios, all the games that were upcoming it was all really exciting. Like I still think back at those days as like the golden, like the golden era of podcasting. Even though it probably wasn't as good as it is now, it's still like I get nostalgia about it. Even though it was only like five years ago. Yeah, definitely. And so from there, that kind of gave you the idea that you could work in this field. Yeah. Well, so I started blogging on the My IGN blog. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It might be still around. Like the it's like message boards, right? Yeah, basically. And you pretty much just like write opinion pieces and stuff. And I used that blog. And keep in mind, my my writing was probably terrible. Like I wasn't a writer at all. And I started doing that like right out of high school where I was like failing English. (laughs) But I just kept at it. And I started uh, submitting those blogs to random like small websites. And then sooner or later, like one brought me on. It was like the smallest website in the world. They're gone now. It was like Play Nation Plus or something like that. And that gave me like a little bit more confidence. I kept writing, kept, I was, I was still working like full time at like gas stations and stuff. And then sooner or later, I, well, actually how it all started was the IGN community manager saw one of my blogs and he said, Hey, can we run this on our homepage? And that right there was like, wow. (laughs) I was like, so happy. Cause like IGN was like my favorite site, like back then, especially. And, uh, just like seeing my article on the homepage, like in the thumbnails, it was just super cool. But I actually, I looked at that guy's profile, the the guy at the time who was running the IGN community stuff. And uh, he ran a Nintendo website called uh, a Nintendo enthusiast. So I DM'd him and he said, yeah, uh, DM the Nintendo enthusiast Twitter. And we can see about bringing you on as a features writer. And I said, all right, I did that. And they said, yeah. And I just started writing like a bunch of Nintendo articles. And, you know, it was kind of weird because around that time I was really into PlayStation. <laughs> but my my history with gaming was Nintendo. Like, I grew up, like, straight, like, Nintendo kid. And I was strictly Nintendo. I have a similar story to Colin Moriarty, how he stuck with Nintendo until the Wii days. And yeah. then he realized what the hell was he doing. <laughs> and uh, I was, like, super dedicated to that brand. And then whenever the PS3 and I started learning all the studios, like the first party games, all the best experiences that gen, in my opinion, that's where I was like, you know, I can't just keep doing this. I got to play other stuff. That's how I started at at Nintendo Enthusiast. And it's been a slow, very slow. I've been there like five years now. Hmm. A slow rise to the top. (laughs) So when did they start paying you for your work? 
Well, what's cool about them is they believe from the very beginning that everyone should get paid for the work that they do. Yeah. So I was only making probably like $10 a feature. But when you're writing, I don't know, two features a week, that's like, I don't know, like $100 a month almost. So you were able to buy like a, an extra video game and stuff like that. And that's all I really cared about at the time, you know? Because back then I never pictured being able to stay home and do this. It's because the company started getting more popular. Not not just Nintendo enthusiasts, but enthusiast gaming in general. They sort of blew up over the past few years now. So they own sites like Destructoid and The Escapist. Okay. So, yeah, so their success is the, probably the only reason why I've been able to turn this into full-time. Yeah, that's right. Because the Nintendo Enthusiast brand isn't huge. Like, I think we're in, like, the top five dedicated Nintendo sites, like, in the world. But that still doesn't mean it's ginormous because there's only, like five really popular sites <laughs> if you started off making 10 or you know 20 bucks an article what was that transition like for you between you're working at the gas station and you're you know making 100 bucks a month like how did that transition go till you were able to walk away from your previous jobs and just focus on gaming well honestly this is this is kind of strange um like around that time my wife she was staying at home with the kids and i was working like a ungodly amount like like I would actually write my articles at work because I worked at gas stations and I was working at two gas station jobs and I'd usually work like uh, two eight-hour shifts in a row like like Monday through Friday so that really sucked wow. so we were doing all right with money and stuff but she has really bad anxiety and depression so when she was like stuck in the house all day she just honestly couldn't handle it for like it was fine for a while but she uh decided that she really wanted to get a job and then so I stepped down to one job and then she would uh, start working. And then around that time, we, were, we we both worked like jobs for a really small amount of time. And then we were like, this is just impossible. Like our kids, uh, they have special needs. They're both autistic. So um, uh-huh. it takes a lot of extra like effort. And we were like having people babysit them. And like we weren't really comfortable with other people taking care of them. It's, that might sound strange, but we kind of... I don't know, I guess we we're like very protective and scared all the time because there's a lot of scary stuff that comes with having kids with autism. Sure. So I actually, I, I sort of gave Enthusiast Gaming like an ultimatum, which I was like, I can't write for the site anymore unless I can get like this amount every month. And luckily they really liked my stuff and I was like uh, super grateful. So they were like, yeah, we can give you this amount. You just had to do this. And then I was like, awesome. So I ended up quitting my job. Around this time, it was not a lot of money, but it was just enough for us to get by. Like, I'm talking, like, hmm. I was getting, like, $300 a month, but working, like, a lot. And, you know, I can't really blame Enth- Enthusiast Gaming because they didn't really have it in their funding to begin with. But they still let me have it, and so I'm thankful for that. So I went started working at home, and I was, you know, like, writing articles every single day. Like, I, I, would, I was, like, for a while, I was writing an opinion piece every day of the month. So, like, 30 opinion pieces a month. That wow. was really hard. Cause it was so hard to keep coming up with ideas, but it was still, it's like, like, I remember, uh, I dropped both my kids off at school. Cause around that time they went to like this, like pre kindergarten school and, and they would only go for like four hours, but I dropped them off. I walk into my house and I was like thinking to myself, wow, I have the next four hours to just write about video games and get paid for it. And I truly felt happy. Like, you know, like I wasn't not happy before, but when that day happened, it like really hit me like this is honestly what I want to do with my life. And I don't really care what it takes. Am, am I working a whole bunch? Yeah. Am I staying up way too late and getting up super early every night? Yeah, but it was <laughs> worth it in my opinion. 
Yeah. And then ever since then, it's just been a slow, a very slow growth mm. throughout Nintendo enthusiasts. That's cool. So it's almost like you put in the groundwork when it was starting out and helped it get to more profitable place. Would you say that's right? Because you've in return benefited from its its success. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. They sort of invested in me, I guess. Yeah. And then... You, I mean, it sounds like you both invested in each other because you gave a heck of a lot of your time and energy to a site that was, you know, they were paying you, but they probably weren't paying you for the amount of work yeah. that you were doing, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see that it worked out so well. Yeah, and luckily the site is continuing to grow. Like, it's not massive, but I think we get like half a million hits a month, which isn't that great, but luckily uh, Enthusiast Gaming has its own ad network, so we make more than the typical site would with its ads. So is that the YouTube or the website itself? That's the website. YouTube, mm, it's not It's not doing that good. It, it has its months, but it usually... I mean, it's around like 100, 150K uh, hits a month. Sure. Which, you know, okay. they, they, I, I guess in that aspect, they're still investing in me because I actually started making YouTube content to be paid full time. But then I got transitioned over to running the site. So they're, they're paying me for both, I guess. But I get sort of disappointed with like numbers when it comes to the YouTube channel because that's, <laughs> that's honestly where I put most of my effort in nowadays. And it's not, it doesn't really pay off that well, unfortunately. Yeah, that just seems to be YouTube in general for a lot of people. I think it's it's a tough beast to master. Definitely. And like, I understand YouTube. I understand like how certain things can, can become a success. And I've seen it happen with, with like my friends' channels, but I can't get my one, like my channel to, to grow, which is, I mean, it's growing. It, it gets like, I don't know, a hundred something like new subs a month, but it's a very slow growth. So, we were just talking about Days Gone on the PlayStation 4, and that's obviously not a Nintendo game, but you were able to review that. So, where does that go? Does Nintendo enthusiasts cover more, or is that um, working for a different website? So, this whole time, I forgot to mention PlayStation enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Around the time where I was writing like 30 features a month, I could I could also write for the other enthusiast sites like Xbox enthusiasts and PlayStation enthusiasts, because mm-hmm. if I had to write 30 like 30 opinion pieces a month on only nintendo that would be like near impossible (laughs) yeah that would be the ramblings of a madman by that point yeah so they started the playstation enthusiast site a ways like after i started like a like a few years and they had someone else running it but then he left and they're like hey brett do you want to run this site but it was like a smaller site so it wasn't like i wasn't getting paid extra or anything it was just sort of like like i was doing the nintendo enthusiast features and stuff and then running the playstation enthusiast site and luckily like getting good connections like that's how we got the days gone like code early and we get lots of codes early which is surprising because the site's not that big but uh you know that site it got up to a decent amount like every month but then a lot of people like left at the same time and then enthusiast gaming sort of put it on hiatus and then only until recently we've like brought in new writers and we're starting to make it grow again so that's how the Days Gone stuff happened, and that's why I reviewed that game. So, as far as your skills as a writer, like you mentioned not necessarily being the best in high school and not even being the best when you started writing this stuff, for like the blogs and that kind of thing. So, how have you developed that skill over time? What, are, what is it, do you think, that you've been able to do that's made you, I guess, excel enough that you can do it full-time? Well... It all comes down to one person, <laughs> my friend Lou, which at the time, 
we both wrote for a really small website called Middle of Nowhere Gaming. This was in between the My IGN and the Nintendo Enthusiast. And uh, sure. I met my friend Lou there, uh, Lou Cantaldi. I, don't, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. And uh, back then, he he's like super smart Like when it comes to pretty much everything. He's just a smart guy in general. And he, he taught me so much about writing. Like I would write a huge opinion piece and think everything was perfect. And then he would go in on uh, Google Docs and just tell me everything that was wrong with it. And I'm so glad he did that because it it helped me so much in the end. And then sooner or later, he would become the EIC for uh, Dual Shockers. So oh, cool. it's really cool that like we both got to to actually go somewhere after that site. And I I definitely pictured him going somewhere because he he's just like super nice, super smart guy. So I'm glad that he was there to teach me a lot about writing, and he did it all like mm-hmm. for free. So that was really awesome. And uh, I used pretty much everything he taught me from like like since then like i still use like stuff that he taught me back then nowadays just like basic rules of writing yeah like just like little things like the most basic things you can imagine like stuff i didn't even know about even like uh straight out of high school right okay because like active voice and things like that yeah like just like all types like i can't even really (laughs) like think of anything just like a bunch of stuff yeah but I guess the part of that for you that's that's good is that you actually wanted to improve. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've edited something for and I've just sent them what I've done and they've said, yep, sweet. Like, oh, they yeah. didn't want to know what I'd changed. They just were happy that it was better. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you clearly wanted to improve and were looking at all the track changes and that kind of thing to, to see what had been improved right yeah i would study that document so much harder than i studied anything in high school (laughs) it's funny because like if if you know you'd paid attention in high school or if you had teachers that inspired you to to pay attention then you wouldn't have had to to learn it at that point in life exactly i just i was just a dumb kid in high school i just didn't care so that was on me (laughs) speaking of dual shockers i recently started helping out with them because of lou he because he runs the site now and uh, I'm just helping them with, like, YouTube stuff, like, back-end stuff. Sure. And I'll, like, edit some videos, upload some stuff, make some thumbnails. So it's really basic stuff, but it's really cool being able to work with him again because that's kind of where it all started for me. Yeah, that's a cool little full circle. So it's, it sounds like you're self-taught, essentially. Like, you haven't studied, you haven't, like, done courses to learn about editing or anything like that. It's all just you've built this off your own bat. Yeah, I just pretty much learned it all as I went. Hmm. And I didn't know anything in the beginning, but after doing it... For five years now, I've learned a lot, yeah. let's just say. <laughs> I'm sure there's been things that you've learned the hard way because I mentioned watching a video of yours recently and it was your IGN job interview one that just made me go, oh, yeah. oh, okay, like <laughs> this this guy's got some stories to tell. So I guess that's a story about failure that you were able to kind of bring to light, you know, down the track. It's, it's not a fresh wound anymore. It's something that you've healed from and probably learned from, but... Would you say that there's been some experiences like that that have taught you a lot along the way? Yeah, definitely. And that one specifically, which I'll just I'll just tell a story real fast. It was like in between, once again, the My IGN stuff and the Nintendo Enthusiast stuff, where they had a job opening and I applied for it. Did not expect to actually get a response. And they actually responded saying, hey, let's set you up with an interview. And I was like super excited. But I was still so young and so fresh into the industry at that point like I wrote like a bunch of opinion pieces that weren't that great and I was like doing a little bit of podcasting but I'm not very great at talking Mm -hmm. like I especially wasn't back then which is what I'll get into and they set me up with an interview and it just went absolutely terrible (laughs) like the the worst thing that could have ever that I could have ever imagined because 
I try and hide it well, but it like a few people listening to this might be able to tell if they also stutter because there's like little there's like little things that I'll like I'll make noises in between words and stuff, but I stutter really bad or I did stutter super bad even nowadays still like it can get really bad but but back then especially while being interviewed by the site that I love and that I was like <laughs> like super like wanting to work at yeah. uh I was stuttering terribly like he would he would ask me a question and I just I'd be like uh yeah I uh and I just it was terrible and so that was an experience I guess you had to shake off and and not let that detract you from what you were setting out to do which was work in the industry right because I think a lot of people would be just shattered after an experience like that and think man I could never do this yeah it hit me really hard like I stopped like writing and stuff for a while because I was like that was the dream and I just let it go like like not only did I not get hired but i feel like the interview went so bad that i was put on like their never hire list (laughs) (laughs) blacklist yeah so that hit me for a while and then it wasn't until like a while later where uh greg colin tim and nick they would leave kind of fun i mean uh, ign to make kind of funny and that sort of inspired me to get back into it okay so from there it, it inspired you to like get back into enthusiast uh nintendo enthusiast and start working for them was that the turning point then yeah like i think during that time i was still i think i I was actually writing for them like on a very like limited basis and uh i just got really into it after they left because i was like you know i'm gonna turn this ship around i'm gonna i'm gonna actually Hmm. i'm actually do something and then i just kept pitching ideas to enthusiast gaming to try and like up my pay i was like i'll do this i'll do this i'll do that because like i had my kids at home but i mean I was willing to sacrifice my whole day every single day to make mm. more money because I'm at home. Like it's it's not like I'm like leaving and like doing this like nine to five job. So I didn't I don't I, I still don't really mind working really long hours as long as I can just do it from like my computer chair. <laughs> yeah, that's all coming together for me now because I think the post that you screenshotted and sent to Greg on Twitter was me talking about the same thing how those guys leaving IGN was the kind of inspiration to start writing my book. Uh, so yeah, there you go. It, a lot of butterfly effect flow ons from that decision. Yeah. And I honestly cannot even stress enough how much Greg and Colin specifically have inspired me over the years. Like from the very beginning, like they're, they're how I even got back into games. And I honestly cannot thank mm-hmm. them enough for that. That's really cool. So what would you say has been the hardest part of getting to the point you're at where you're working full time in games you've built a reputation you've built a portfolio you're able to work with different websites you know i'm sure that if you did happen to want to work at a website like ign or gamespot you'd probably be one of the people that they consider giving an interview to even though that last one went so terribly if you, <laughs> if you haven't been put on their blacklist <laughs> well what's cool about that is is pair uh, from ign he, he like runs the yeah. company he watched that video and he responded to it so that was really cool oh that's cool what did he say he was just like uh, good on you for not taking it too hard and turning things around and still yeah. being able to accomplish stuff oh that's great he's a good dude yeah, he's awesome. I'm, I met him at E3, yeah. and he was really nice as well. Yeah, he gave us... Uh, I went on a little bit of a tour of their office at the uh, Kind of Funny Live 3. They did, like, IGN tours, and he led my group through, so... That's awesome. Really cool. Really cool, dude. Um, yeah, so I guess what I was saying was what's been the hardest part of getting to where you're at now? Oh, man. I feel like, honestly... 
I feel lucky to be able to do this, like, all from home. Like, I, well, I'm doing a lot. I, I don't even think I even said everything I do. So I run the, the Nintendo Enthusiast site and the PlayStation Enthusiast site. I help out Dual Shockers with their video stuff, whether it's editing or uploading or thumbnails. And then I also run three social media pages or just do, I guess, PR for th- three big YouTubers, which yeah. are RGT85, Beat-em-ups, and Spawnwave. They're all kind of, like, best friends, and they, they just know me because of uh, Sean RGT. And so I sort of, like, help them out when it comes to getting, like, business deals or, like, sponsorships or just, like, posting, like, funny stuff on their social media pages after getting their approval, of course. So that actually takes up a big portion of my time. But all of that combined together, it's still, like, it's a ton of work, but it's, like, this is what I wanted, though. This is this is what I've been working for, <laughs> you know? I don't really care yeah. what I'm doing in the game's media or industry or anything I just want to do something that involved video games. So if I'm making memes and stuff, I don't really mind. It's because it's just, you know, it's video games. That's all I really cared about. I guess the hardest part, which I just realized that was your question, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really all about getting lucky and being at the the right place at the right time. And just, I guess just uh, don't sell yourself short. And I don't know, just keep at it. Because the hardest part can be just getting like zero response to anything that you're creating. Like as a creator... If you write an article and it gets no comments, gets no views or nothing, you know, it's there, I guess. So I guess that's something. It does uh, deter you a little bit from from making content more, but you just got to mm-hmm. keep at it. And there was a guy on your podcast, I think it, it, it might have been the latest one, who he said uh, he doesn't always recommend just doing it. But, you know, sometimes oh, yeah. I honestly, I just say, just do it. <laughs> like... Because if, if I wouldn't have just did it, like just started writing articles with no experience in writing, I wouldn't have like gotten anywhere. Like I'm, gl- I'm glad I at least tried. And you can go back and find those articles. They're like terribly written, but at least it was something, you know? Yeah, I guess there's two sides to it. There's like just do it to get it out there and like use it to as like a stepping stone. But I, th- I think, yeah, for John, he was talking about like if you want something to do well, put a bit of thought into it as well as just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he was talking also in terms of your equipment and stuff, if I remember incorrectly. Yeah, that's right. Which, yeah, I mean, sometimes you should try and wait until you can actually get like create something presentable. <laughs> sure. So on that note, uh, I guess video content is such a big part of what you do now as well. So was developing that skill another hurdle for you to get through? Especially you mentioned with the stutter and maybe feeling like self-conscious about presentation and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it was something I never thought I would be able to do. My first, like, um, I don't know, like... Well, I started the PlayStation Enthusiast YouTube channel. I didn't mention that. And I started making videos there because at the time, Sean and Jason from Nintendo Enthusiasts were running that channel, which is the one I run now. And um, I was just doing, like, random, like, opinion videos on, like, the PlayStation Vita because I figured I could try and carve out, like, a little niche there. It, it was, like, going pretty well, except I, I wasn't nearly as good as, as, like, talking at the camera as I am now. And I'm still not great. Like, I still have to do, like, a bunch of edits and, like, add a bunch of B-roll secret edits. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think I'm a lot better now. I've gotten to the point where I've hosted two panels at, like, uh, gaming conventions, which I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to do, like, I was scared just to like go like to the nurse in elementary school because I'd have to tell them what's hurting or like what how I'm sick just because I, I I get so scared of of just talking in general. I would like uh, tell my teachers, uh, 
please try and skip me when it comes to like reading the book. Like you know how they would like go around the room and let a let, oh, yeah, and, like yeah. let a person like read a paragraph. Mm-hmm. I would tell them please skip me. Like I'm gonna stutter really bad. And like usually they did, which is really nice of them because that always scared the heck out of me. But uh, yeah. So I used to stutter super bad, and luckily it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. But uh, I feel like that was a really hard thing to overcome when it comes to just talking in general. Like it was all like a huge learning process and still is, honestly. I mean, I haven't noticed it except for maybe one time the whole time we've been talking. So you've obviously improved a lot. But is that just something where you build a confidence or is it something that you have to actually work through with like, I don't know, speech therapists and that kind of thing over time? I don't know, man. Like, I was in speech my whole life through school, like elementary school, middle school, high school, and I never really felt Mm. like that helped. I just feel like it's a thing of either excitement that causes it or, like, nervousness. And, uh, like, with you right now, I feel like I'm not stuttering very bad because I've literally known you for probably years now. And, like, yeah, we haven't haven't (laughs) talked before, but I still feel like you're, like, a friend that I can just talk to about, like, anything. Sure. If you were like a stranger, like on like a different podcast I never heard of, I'd probably be stuttering a lot worse, which is, <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with it. Just being comfortable yeah. with who you're talking to. Mm. Everyone might not stutter, but everyone has the same experience. Like when they're talking to someone and they're nervous, they will say what they don't mean to yeah, say, or they definitely. won't, the words won't come out in the right order. And that happens to me too. Like it happens when I'm podcasting and it happens when I'm, you know, doing my intros and outros and I edit those so I, people don't hear me sound like an yeah. idiot. It's just that yours manifests in the form of a stutter or instead of like just talking gibberish or mumbling or whatever it might be for most people. Yeah. It's just, it's super random. and I, I still don't fully understand stuttering. Like it, it literally doesn't make any sense to me. Like uh, there was one time where me, uh, me and my friend were in in Walgreens at like four in the mornings. So we were waiting for a ride. Like this was like high school where we we're you know just like walk around being dumb kids. And this cop, he t- he like told us that we had to go home. He uh, put us in the back of his cop car to, uh, to drive us home. And uh, he asked me what my name was, and I was like, I can't say my name. <laughs> like I could talk, but I couldn't <laughs> physically like let my name out of my mouth. And I could. I could tell him that I can't say my name because I stutter and he did not understand at all. And he like got super offended. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't say my name. Andrew, can you tell him my name? And he was like, yeah, it's Brett Medlock. And I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, it's such a strange thing. <laughs> Is that because you knew that other times you tried to and it didn't work? Or were you actually trying to sit there and say your name and I, you couldn't? It, it, it had happened like in the past as well, like through school. They're like, like right. uh, say your name. I would be like, uh brett medlock like i it was like a super weird like like stuttering is the most confusing thing to me like the way you have to let certain words out like i'll say like so at the beginning of my sentences a lot while i'm recording videos because it helps me say the rest of the sentence and then i'll cut out that so because it's there in like every single sentence (laughs) i do that as well really (laughs) (laughs) i don't stutter but i i often will just like get to the next question that i'm about to ask you and i'll say so and there's there's the question there and it's almost just like a a natural like palate cleanser or something i don't know it's uh, it's not just you is what i'm saying but it is interesting the way that the mind works i don't understand it either it's um it's almost it almost sounds like the i don't know is it almost like a a twitch or that's what honestly that's what it seems like it's like a thing that like my body like it's super weird sometimes like sometimes and this this is gonna sound super weird like maybe i'm a little crazy in my brain i'll stutter (laughs) 
like 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 while I'm right. trying to think. And it's yeah. just it's just really confusing and stuff like that. I guess just it's been a hard thing to deal with, but it, luckily it's gotten so much better where it it only happens when I'm like super nervous or if I get overly excited mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, a few weeks ago I had uh, Anthony Florida on the podcast who does um Dad's Beards Nerds podcast and he he was on Colin's fireside chats once talking about Tourette's syndrome and the way that he's um kind of learned to like deal with it and kind of not trick his brain but just like get it out of his system so that people don't notice it things like that it's it's interesting that you can kind of I don't know get on top of of the way that your mind works if you know how it's how it's working yeah what's interesting and kind of funny with uh the name thing where I couldn't tell the cop my name I thought I was, like, crazy. Like, I was, like, the only person that would ever have to deal with this issue. It was, like, yeah. a couple of years ago, I was I was watching a Facebook video, and there was this, like, uh, this, like, girl. She was, like, kind of drunk or whatever. And the cop asked her, what's her name? And she said, I can't say my name because I have a stuttering problem. And I was like, oh, my God, it happened to somebody else. <laughs> uh, it, must be a, it must be a thing that's just tied to people's names. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's super yeah. strange. Uh, anyway, uh, so... You've mentioned before a bit of advice about, you know, don't sell yourself short and that kind of thing. So what would be your main advice if you do talk to someone that asks you, hey, Brett, I see you at E3. I see you up on the stage with Greg Miller doing a panel or whatever it might be. (laughs) What's your advice for those people if they want to do what you're doing? I would say, like, first off, like I said before, start right now, like, in some capacity, like if you want to be a podcaster, like start podcasting with like your sister or your brother, but never upload it. Just like get get used to talking and stuff like that. Or if you want to be like a writer, start writing stuff. I guess you don't have to make it public, but like why not? Like even if even if it's terrible, at least you're getting some type of practice in. Because I feel like over time, time is the only reason why I've been able to get better. Like if I still had the same yeah. skill set that I did five years ago. I wouldn't be able to handle any of the jobs that I have right now. You know what I mean? Sure. I just I just say for people who are wanting to get into the industry, start right now. Hopefully you can or you have the ability to. And I think you'll slowly get better and hopefully get noticed. Or you can start using your skill sets to apply for jobs that you like or stuff that you want to do in general. And also, don't set your mind on one thing. Like, I, I, I used to only want to review games, like written reviews. Like, that was what I wanted to do with my life. And... Now I don't really do that that much anymore because I'm more into like making videos or I don't know, like just like running a website or like making video game memes and like doing YouTube stuff. So it, it used to only be that, but there's like a whole nother like world out there, I guess, that you can like step yeah. into. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, that's uh, brings us to our final question, Brett. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? I still like nowadays, I still uh, want to work with or for uh colin or greg just because i'm a big fan of the like both the work that they do and you know i've reached out to colin a little bit but he only wants to hire people who are in that area and there's no way i'll ever be able to move to california i have kids and stuff you know yeah and hopefully i'm going on his podcast later this year that's what the plan is but i don't know if it'll actually work out on his fireside chats i'll be talking about uh, raising kids with autism it's always uh exciting when you get to work even if it's just doing a collaboration with people like that it's it's a uh, it's a real thrill so yeah i hope that uh that fireside chats goes ahead i'd definitely be keen to hear that so 
yeah uh thanks for coming on my show brett's been really interesting and like i said for someone that's not you know out of kotaku or waypoint or something to be working full-time in the industry it's really interesting to hear that side of of how it goes for you and how you make it work yeah thanks for having me thank you for listening and thanks to audio technica you can catch brett on twitter at brett nll give nintendo or playstation enthusiasts to follow on youtube and you can support this show by supporting the 8-bit patreon at patreon.com slash we are 8-bit a-t-e-b-i-t from as little as one dollar a month but as much as you like or you can just leave an itunes review and rating to spread the good word you can follow me on twitter at Johnny himself and until next week keep putting in work